0: Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 189. My name is John. Joining me this afternoon is Ryan. What's up, Ryan?
1: Hey, uh, day late and a buck short here. Day late?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I made the executive um, call to do a midweek episode this week, Mm. um, Because I had a lot going on last weekend and a lot going on this weekend. So I was like, well, if I just kind of like put it in between there, it kind of like acts as the episode for both weeks, weekends, whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know. That was my thought process. Hmm. Okay. Um, Because like, um, you know, all the uh, famous billionaires and oligarchs and stuff, I am uh, taking a little voyage next week um, off planet to uh, Batu, <laughs> and so um, yeah I'm leaving like at the very crack of dawn on Monday morning and mm. so I was thinking I didn't necessarily want to record next weekend as I'm preparing for that so this is a good time to do it you know middle of the week and uh, then we'll I- I'm sure I'll be like ready to uh, talk Star Wars when I get back from Batu the following weekend because I get back on Friday so
1: yeah you will yeah. be you will be
0: Right, right, right. So I'm actually, um, right now I'm drinking coffee out of my Batu coffee mug. Um, the, uh, I, I might have talked about this on the show, I can't remember, but you know those Starbucks bin there coffee mugs? Are you, are you familiar with those? They have like ones for like each state, you know, Colorado, Illinois. No, Florida. that's a thing? Uh, yeah, it's a thing. They're nice coffee mugs. Um, it's not something that I'm into, but there's a lot of people that are pretty like into it. Like they want to get a bin there coffee mug for each state they go to you Ooh, know completist. yeah and one of the well not so much completist. like you have to get all 50 but like hey um that's like my go-to souvenir for a vacation or something i guess i don't know just a little bit like i went to x city and made sure i got the hard rock cafe t-shirt that says the name of the city underneath it you know okay i, um, I
1: understand that yeah <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't relate co- to that I got a closet full of fifty. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no. And uh, uh, my wife, Tasha, she likes to bend there coffee mugs because they they do look nice. You know, it's not it's not the same as the hard rock thing because those are all the same. But they just say London, New York, Mm. New Orleans. You know what I mean? This has um, art and things. And it's it's you know, they're, they're nice coffee mugs, but I'm not particularly into them. Right. However, Mm -hmm. Tasha ordered me the Batu Been There coffee mug, and we also have a Dagaba Been There coffee mug. So um, they are pretty nice.
1: Okay. I know you've been to Dagaba, but it feels (laughs) a little disingenuous to have the Batu one (laughs) before you've gone
0: on your trip. It is an interesting spin on the Been There series, the fact that they make them for these um, uh, non uh, terrestrial uh, locations, Mm. I suppose you'd say, off world Mm. locations. Um, cause yeah, they have like Dagobah and I don't know, I can't remember what other all planets they have, but, um, and they sold out right away. They always sell out right away when they, uh, put out these star Wars ones. So huh. anyway, I just thought I'd mention it cause I'm getting ready to go there. And, uh, you know, one way I know is I'm sipping coffee out of my Batu coffee book.
1: Uh, can I give you a suggestion if you're getting into like hype, hype mode?
0: Yes, uh, please.
1: Before going. Um did you pick up the the book the traveler's guide to Batu?
0: I didn't. No, I did not.
1: Okay. I brought that with me and like read it in the hotel room the night before we went mm-hmm. and uh and in the airport a little bit on the way there and uh it was it was actually really cool. Um it okay. does a really good job like kind of doing like general stage setting um mm-hmm. for the you know, world building and stuff. So you like go there and then you're like, Hey, I know what that thing's called. And, um, with some of the smaller stuff. So
0: gotcha. I recommend that
1: if cool. you, uh, if you have not it. it's a, it's a nice looking book too. Okay. Um, it's a good, it's a good little one to have in your, uh, star Wars book collection. I think just kind of in general.
0: Hmm. I'll have to look and see if I can maybe get that in time, from a retailer other than the billionaire spaceman's website mm-hmm. you know i bet you could get it, like barnes and noble or something oh that'd be good yeah 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 get that teacher discount too yeah 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 i uh i just got uh I'm, the book i'm reading right now i i uh was like huh you know it came out and i had forgotten to pre-order it from like bookshop or somewhere like that mm-hmm. and i was like where can i get it like now because i want to read it right now and um have it not be amazon you know Mm -hmm. and uh i i rarely go to barnes and noble i don't use their site very much but it it occurred to me like okay because i wanted to pick it up like that day right and was like okay target doesn't target stocks it on their website but not in store so where am i gonna get this book boom barnes and noble came through it's pretty good
1: yeah totally their their website's great for that for like to see what's in stock at different stores different locations um i have used it a ton because like here in denver we have you know in the in the surrounding area we have like five barnes and nobles within mm. like you know a half hour drive in whatever direction so yeah. um yeah like i can pretty much always get stuff if it's something where i'm like oh i really want to read that right now <laughs> and uh yeah just go to the website
0: and uh, find a find a spot Nice. Well, I only have one near me, but it's, like, within mm. a couple miles uh, down the road, so that's not yeah. bad. The next closest is the Fox River. No, no, no. Spring Hill Mall in the uh, Elgin, Crystal Lake, like, Fox River area, you know? So I could be persuaded to drive that way if necessary, but um, this is so unrelated to, like, our show and what we should be talking about right now. Hey, but we're just... going
1: to be talking about Star Wars books today. And... Hey, that's true. The the book that we'll be talking about today, uh, The Rising Storm, had a pretty sweet display at uh, one of the Barnes and Nobles near me. Mm. Yes. Uh, it yes. ho- had its own table and like you know cardboard stand up and stuff, which
0: was yeah, pretty but great. That is cool. But what I was going to say is more off topic, but I was going to tell listeners to the show that mm. I think the Barnes and Noble site is great for. Uh, buying something to pick up in store but my experience with buying books from barnesandnoble.com that like are not available at the store near me has been less good because they i've tried to buy that toshin horror book a few times from the barnes and noble site uh-huh and uh and they're like oh yeah we'll ship it to the store and then i always just get like an email a couple days later saying oh sorry that's canceled we're not shipping that to you or whatever and i'm like, oh okay. weird yeah so um because <laughs> I could buy that book from Amazon, of course, mm-hmm. but I've just been trying to do that whole like not buy stuff from them unless I really need to kind of right. thing. Unless it's like, I shouldn't say it, I need to. Unless it's like there's some stuff that seems to be that's about the only place that, you know what I mean, stocks it or whatever. Yeah. Um, little things or whatever. so But uh, anyway, enough about all that business. Let's get into Star Wars stuff here, Ryan, for the show we're going to mm-hmm. talk about a few brief, and I think they will be brief, news stories. And then we're going to talk The Rising Storm and The Bad Batch, Episode 12, Rescue on Ryloth. Um, That is the layout for the episode. So let's get into some new stuff. Um, First one, this uh, kind of passed me by, actually, and I think it's because there's not very many details about it. But uh, there has been another HasLab Star Wars project confirmed by Hasbro, and that is a six-inch scale rancor um and you may be thinking like well why do they need to uh you know crowdfund Haslab a six inch uh figure a black series figure but it's because this would be in the six inch scale but it's a, uh, if you remember the rancor from the film return of the jedi it's considerably larger than a uh a human or a humanoid character or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. so i don't know how tall it'll be because it's light on details but it's going to have to be like probably two feet tall at least, right? To be in scale to, you know, your uh, Luke Skywalker six inch figure. Would you say like two feet, maybe three feet tall? I don't know. Hmm. That's how, how many times taller is the Rancor than Luke Skywalker? Four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Three. Three, you think?
1: If if he's like, I don't know, give or take six feet tall, like 18 feet. Seems I about keep right. This-
0: keep this in mind a basketball hoop would be just barely two times taller than luke skywalker and that's not you know if you put a rancor up next to a basketball hoop i don't know but okay well you're right if it's three times taller be an 18 inch figure if it's like four times taller than luke it'd be like a 24 inch figure so it's got to be approaching two feet it's also quite big right like massive like there's a lot of thick Yeah. Thick with two C's. There's a lot of heft (laughs) to the rancor. Um, so anyway, I don't know like what kind of number, um, they're going to be asking for through this crowdfunding campaign. I feel like we have a little bit of a motif, um, here on the show lately of me saying, I don't know the details on this. And you being like, well, actually all that stuff (laughs) is easily accessible via the internet. You just had to look it up. But uh, I tried today, and I don't think that information has been made available.
1: No, they didn't even show a picture of it, or like a prototype mold or anything from. And they haven't launched least...
0: the the page, right? They haven't yeah. launched the page asking for your money yet. So
1: yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm guessing probably like a hundred bucks. Feels I am
0: guessing that you are um, a very kind-hearted and uh, naive you know, uh, gentleman here, and that um, if they're crowdfunding it, it's going to be a minimum of 200 bucks. Okay, wow. Keep in mind that Regal Robot just announced uh, a life-size um, Salacious Crumb that costs, uh, I believe, $4,000. So, uh-huh. um, I mean, it's a little bit, it's very much a different thing than a Hasbro yeah. toy. But uh, I think you're, you're going to have that premium price. I don't know, because like, the other Haslab stuff has been around five or six hundred dollars, somewhere in that range, right? At least. Um, yeah, I don't remember if the, the Razor Crest was more or less than the Sail Barge. I think the Sail Barge was five hundred.
1: Yeah, wasn't Razor Crest like three or four hundred? I don't maybe. know.
0: maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, well, this will be interesting. So, like, not happening <laughs> for me. Oh no! Um, I'm not. No. You know,
1: if they did like a like a fifty dollar. Rancor that was scaled to three and three quarter inch figures that I'd bite on.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, pun intended. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Um, I have, sure. I have
1: a Rancor keeper figure here,
0: a Malakili, yeah, yeah, he's a good in, guy in the three and three quarter inch scale, right? Um, yeah, so um well there are three and three quarter inch rancors right but not in the modern like super modern yeah
1: i I, I guess yeah they
0: i don't know when the last time they made one of those was Mm. but i'm sure the six inch uh black series uh you know um rancor will be rather detailed and uh quite the work of art so i'm i'm looking forward to uh to seeing the the announcement in the the uh, prototypes and, and all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, surely not a product that I, uh, envisioned myself buying, but I'm excited to, uh, to follow it either way. Uh, much like I said about a lot of this stuff that we talked about on the last episode, as far as Hasbro things go. Uh, but we'll see how it does. We'll see how it does. I don't think it's going to have the same level of excitement as, uh, the razor crest or the sail barge, but also if it's, um, a significantly lower, you know, number, uh, commitment for people then i'm sure it will still do well
1: so i'm looking and there was a power of the force Raincore released in 1998 Mm -hmm. that's to scale with three and three quarter inch figures and it is 12 inches tall
0: okay so that's not quite four times right that'd be like 3.6 times or something like that
1: yeah, so I think you can probably assume that this one will be between eighteen and twenty-four inches.
0: That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but there's one on eBay for uh, fifty bucks by now. I
0: think that's the number that you threw out there hypothetically. I think before, it is. It? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> How does it look? Does it look? Uh, it, does it look like it's been to the gym? If it's a Power of the Force era figure, they, they, I think they only did that to the. Uh, the, the, the humanoid human figures, no, it's, humanoid, yeah,
1: it it looks good, I like it. All right, hey, um, yeah, I have to think on this one. Yeah, all right, cool. Oh, uh, it's actually part of a two pack. It actually came with
0: a Luke with the bone. Oh, nice. Oh, it actually looks you, way cooler package too. You got to have the bone though. I mean, what are you, yeah. what are you doing if you have a, a a rancor and no bone? Right. Oh. This is cool. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to our, uh, our next little story here. I bet most listeners um, are familiar with uh, this um, announcement as it made a bit of a splash last week when uh, it dropped. But um, we are getting a special episode of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, that will be all about Luke Skywalker's return and the season two finale. Um, I think, you know, obviously we had the one episode of, uh, of Disney Gallery that focused on all of season two of The Mandalorian, which, um, you know, was uh, clearly or, you know, obviously more brief than the, um, the season one, um, you know, gallery uh, kind of offerings. But I think it was good, you know, like. You would have ended up treading, uh, re a lot of the same ground if they tried to take the same approach as they did to season one with season two. Mm-hmm. So I thought that made sense. We talked about it at the time, but of course they did not touch on really at all the uh, the finale um, in uh, in the interest of protecting the uh, the secret, I suppose you'd say. So um, I'm really happy that they are returning and uh, and doing this this, uh, making of season two finale, um, episode, I think it's pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, the, the concept of having Mark Hamill come back to play Luke Skywalker, a young Luke Skywalker and sort of, you know, melding his performance with, uh, technology and, uh, I'm sure an onset double and all those sorts of things is, is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, a challenge, an interesting challenge. So I think it will be fascinating to kind of dive in and uh learn a lot more about how that was accomplished
1: yeah for sure and also um i'm pretty sure on this podcast i said that i thought this was going to happen
0: you yeah you may have you may have um and if you did uh throwing
1: um, that out there yeah
0: if you did i appreciate you putting that out into the galaxy you know because yeah. I mean? you may have just you may have been part of making this happen yeah there have been seances every night <laughs> since then
1: <laughs> um but uh yeah a real
0: life I, version of that candle tweet you're saying exactly Yep, you know the candle tweet i'm talking about
1: yeah like when yeah. people are like i hope a new animal crossing game gets announced and yeah yeah, like, yeah, all, yeah. All that stuff yeah um yeah. i like that yeah um no this is this is going to be awesome uh i think like all of these disney galleries have been fantastic um they've And this one in particular has a lot of potential because there's a lot of curious elements of it. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, no matter what it'll be, there'll be at least some fun tidbits
0: in there. Now, I'm going to tell you that uh, I I don't, you know, I'm not saying this is likely or... um, in fact, I'll say it's probably not very likely just because of the production schedule. But uh, I, I would love for them to be timing this to be, you know, building up a little bit of hype or supporting some sort of first look at Mandalorian season three or, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like, um, I don't think it's that. I think it's probably yeah. just a new piece of content for Disney Plus. Um, but because uh, it's coming out about three, three to four months before Book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, I don't know when Mandalorian season three is going to happen, but I'm guessing like next summer at the earliest. So I don't, I think it's too far away from Mandalorian season three. Uh, it could be tied into, you know, maybe some kind of like getting the ball rolling on book of Boba Fett promotion, but I bet it's not even that I bet it's just a nice new piece of content for Disney plus. Um, Yeah. But I wouldn't be disappointed if it was part of a promotional strategy for uh, the book of Boba Fett, which is really like, you know, probably Mandalorian season 2.5 or it's it's mm-hmm. certainly a spinoff of the Mandalorian. So it's not like they're not connected. Right. So um, maybe a small window of opportunity there or a small likelihood, but uh, probably not what they're doing.
1: It's I mean, it's exciting either way, because we know that, you know, this stuff is coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're getting, you know, every day brings us closer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as you start to think about, um, the kind of like what the, the production schedule and the current, like, um, yeah. Schedule of star Wars, uh, Disney plus projects. Um, you know, once we get to book above that and uh, beyond, I think we're going to be, um, you know, very well served and we're going to have a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's going to be pretty killer to be in a position that like, you know, similar to the one that um, Marvel Marvel fans have been in this year with, yeah. you know, kind of like a new show every couple months at at most, you <laughs> know, sometimes mildly
1: exhausting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I last week, uh, saw Black Widow and finished up Loki and was like, Wow, that was a lot of Marvel uh yeah. <laughs> this week.
0: Yeah, I just uh I just watch uh people watch the shows you know what I mean? I just kind of uh see that everybody's watching them and, and kind of think like that must be so exciting right now. So mm. um, but uh yeah we'll see. Maybe I'll be exhausted next year too. But um it's uh it's a kind of exhaustion to look forward to, right? It's gotta be.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So that'll be fun. Um, and that's just next month. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, last thing we want to talk about here in the news section, um, is an an unfortunate announcement. Um, I, uh, was very sad to, to read over the weekend. Um, that uh, J.W. uh his cancer has progressed and his family has put up a GoFundMe page for him. Um, you know, they state that he is at the point where he's making end-of-life plans. And, um, you know, that is awful news um, because, you know, I think obviously both of us, but also I just feel like, you know, most people who are, um, most people who love uh, Star Wars are, um, you know, huge fans of, of, uh, JW Rensler. I know, um, his colleagues and, and, you know, former coworkers at uh, Lucasfilm, um, are, uh, you know, um, they love him and, uh, are, are very upset about this of course too. And, um, you know, this is somebody who I think was, uh, really important at Lucasfilm for a long time. And, you know, um, he, uh, he's most well known to us for, um, his work on, the making of books, but, um, you know, served other roles at Lucasfilm as well. Uh, even wrote an episode of the clone wars, I believe. So, um, you know, he, he is, uh, someone who's uh, very important to, uh, to, to star Wars and to Lucasfilm, someone who's been really important to the, the star Wars community. Um, someone who was really, uh, you know, kind and generous with his time and went on a bunch of podcasts, uh, in Mm -hmm. the last few years, which, um, I was, you know, thrilled to listen to those. And, um, yeah, I think just by all accounts, uh, a wonderful, certainly a wonderful writer, um, and, uh, seems like a wonderful person as well. So it's, uh, it's very sad to see, but, um, I definitely wanted to, uh, include that in the show, uh, today so that we could, you know, um, you know, just make any listeners who, who, uh, aren't aware of this GoFundMe, uh, aware that it's there and, um, you know. encourage people to uh, contribute to that so we'll include a link to the gofundme in the show notes look for that link in the notes and um and we'll uh we'll move on to the rest of the show here but uh, definitely best wishes and uh and our thoughts are are with uh jw Runsler and his family for sure rising storm We're uh, we're back we're going to talk about the rising storm by cabin scott this is a book that ryan enjoyed so much he read it in two days um <laughs> i really enjoyed it as well but i read it over the course of like two two and a half weeks so um, so basically you hated it no no it took no, you two no. and a half
1: weeks that's wow.
0: crazy yeah it's embarrassing isn't it um I think most of Twitter, it seems like had it read about two weeks before it even came out. So I,
1: <laughs> that's, that's I, how it kind of felt for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was definitely, um, yeah. pretty, um, pretty slow on the uptake with this, mm. but, uh, no, I don't think it's a reflection of how much I enjoyed it. It's just, uh, yeah, a reflection of the time I had on my hands. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I uh, I did enjoy kind of going through it at, at a leisurely pace instead of trying to rush through it. So,
1: yeah, um, there's yeah. something that can be said for that for sure, because um, yeah. I've I was like I felt like I was like racing against the clock because I was just constantly seeing like we you know we talked about this in private but the the non spoilers the things that people don't think are a spoiler yeah. that they post <laughs> um, but it's pretty easy to infer mm-hmm. um, from and I was like I just. I just want to get through this so that like, you know, I don't have, you know, moments kind of deflated. Mm. Um and I, I don't I don't want to say like spoilers ever ruin things for me, um, because generally they don't. Um because, you know, it's kind of a kind of a bigger picture than just a moment. Um, but you know, it, it can deflate the experience a bit. Um, yeah. Sometimes when or if you're like just expecting something to happen, you're building up in your head like how it happens. And then there's like that weird disconnect when it doesn't go down exactly that way. Yeah. Um So it, that can be um, frustrating as well, I think. It, but also yeah. I read it in two days because I had the time and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was a book that was pulling you along, um, inviting mm-hmm. you to continue reading. And, and uh, yeah, um, I, I found that I moved at a at a little quicker pace um, in like the last 100 pages or so. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. the structure of the last like, I don't know, quarter or third of the book because um, there were all these like kind of quick chapters, you know, because there was a lot going on <sighs> as the climax of Star Wars stories often are. There was a lot going on in a couple different locations and it was like just like two three four page long chapters and um you know the briskness of that kind of pulled me along at a, at a faster pace um i think some of the chapters earlier in the book were you know kind of a more standard length which um not a problem you know at all but it definitely i think uh it built some momentum towards the climax with those shorter chapters so i think that was a, a smart approach from uh, author Kevin scott there mm-hmm. um we should say that we're going to talk about spoilers i mean we're not going to do an exhaustive like you know, play by play of the whole plot, or get mm-hmm. super down in the weeds about like every little event that occurs. I don't think, um, but uh, we're we've both read the entire book. It's been a few weeks. I think those who are um, you know interested in reading it right away are uh, probably done reading it now. And if you're someone who is still planning on reading it, um, you may want to skip ahead because we're definitely going to talk about the events in detail and i'll just say uh briefly on the topic of like you know people posting things on twitter and stuff like that um yeah nothing was spoiled nothing super specific was spoiled for me but it was one of those things where there is a, a gut punch at the end of the book and uh, i knew to expect it because of like you know um yeah allegedly or like <laughs> i guess what people think are subtle um, uh uh-huh. you know kind of hints at what happens and it's just like now if you tell me something really tragic is going to occur at the end of the book then like the last 50 pages i'm going to be reading like waiting for that shoe to drop and then when it does drop it's not going to have as much of an effect on me because you you know coyly you think um <laughs> you know, had to tweet about it or whatever so uh i don't know i mean it, it's fine um but, uh, it is one of those things where I think it probably would have, I, I, you know what, to be honest, I think I probably would have known, <laughs> you know, to expect something like that at the end. As yeah. I say that, I'm like, oh, I would have been surprised, but like, I don't think so. I think the nature of the scenario with Loden and Bell, I mm-hmm. just would have probably thought we were headed towards some kind of, uh, you know, tragic scenario, but
1: yeah. Um, okay, so we're officially talking spoilers now. Um, sure. but, uh, with that, though, like, it's so funny because, um, you know, they, they kind of telegraph, um, you know, the, the tragedy, like the, um, you know, load in, uh, I mean, getting,
0: You'll have to explain to me what happens to him, because I don't even know what happened, really. And I <laughs> guess it's supposed to be a mystery, but like honestly, what happened to Bell and to uh, to Loden is a little bit confusing to me, and uh, I'm not sure if there's some if it was kind of hinted at earlier, or if like I should understand what this event is that took place, or if it's just a mystery that we're going to find out like down the road. But um, yeah, because you
1: know? he like he like dissolves. <laughs> He like crumbles into dust.
0: So I couldn't tell. Was he turned into stone? Like almost like if you were like burnt to a crisp to like, like, you know, like a a Pompeii type thing. Is that what it was? Or it was like, like, cause he was like frozen, like almost like ash or something. I I don't know.
1: Yeah. Cause like, um, Stellan reaches out and touches his like cheek and, Mm -hmm the the face just like collapses into itself and like his whole body just like disintegrates
0: right Um, which is not a nice thing to happen it's terrible
1: no it's uh it's uh it's pretty brutal um and i think what's you know really like it's not like a clean kind of jedi death where like the robe, you know, the body just floats away and the the robe is just there or whatever like this is just like a person just crumbling into matter
0: mm-hmm. and
1: i think that's what's like so brutal about it but um yeah and i think the cause is a little unclear um of it i think that's something that's going to be kind of unraveled mm-hmm. um as we go but um
0: well, because yeah, it's I, connected to... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> it's connected to uh, this leveler, this great leveler or whatever it is that um, there was a bit of a detour for on Rowe earlier in the book where, you know, he went to this home world of his or this icy planet or whatever it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were, you know, going to this sacred cave or this sacred location. And, you know, he retrieves this like leveler. But even that is like really um unclear to to me anyways it was unclear like what that even was which i'm into you know it's mystical and it's like it's creepy it had almost like a little bit of a love crap type vibe going on which mm-hmm. um is not you it, like that's not something that we've seen that we we see that in other places in the high republic but um kind of had this like cosmic horror type vibe to it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and it was it was a little unclear and didn't know exactly what was going on um and then I just, as I was reading, I just sort of forgot about that. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I didn't really understand what he was there for or what he was doing totally. Um, yeah. And then it kind of like comes back, but it's just as confusing at the end um, or maybe more than it was, um, you know, and in, in, I think in, 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 in intentionally like unclear and confusing, mm-hmm. but <laughs> if you ask me to tell you exactly what happened uh, to Bell and Loden, I, I don't think I'm able to do that at the moment.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it's some kind of just like horrible weapon that uh Mark Anro like has uncovered. Um but
0: like a biological weapon though, right? Because it's like a creature.
1: Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't know. Um <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Um mm. but I mean I think like the 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 big takeaway is like, cause there were, there's like points in this book where you feel like, huh, like they're going to, they're going to overthrow Marquion Rowe. Like these, you know, the other, um, Nile, like, oh, they've got him, they've got him on the ropes. And then like, you really just see him like survive scenario after scenario and like, just kill everyone who helps him um mm-hmm. and you know by i think like in our original discussion about light of the jedi we were you know we were kind of talking like are the nile that big of a threat is Mark roe that big of a threat like is or is he just like answering to someone bigger like is he just like a stooge um yeah. kind of thing and like i don't know after this book i feel like they really really established him in particular as a very credible threat um and his vision for the nile as like a huge um i mean definitely a threat but also just like something that the Republic and the Jedi order just don't really know how to deal with.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it's certainly interesting. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I buy into him as, um, the primary antagonist or whatever you want to say, like more so than I did, um, during light of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, we get more, uh, from him. We spend more time with him, I think in this book and, uh, certainly see his kind of vision on display there. And, uh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, when he's introduced in light of the Jedi, there's a little bit of like a, well, he's not really that good of a fighter and he's got this secret that, um, the, uh, San Tekka woman is really the only reason he has power and these other people maybe are going to figure it out. And I think he's presented a little bit like, yeah, he's the leader, but you know, you can see all these different ways in which it could fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously in this book, he sort of, you know, addresses a lot of those things and, uh, and he does kind of outsmart the uh the, the the underlings that are gunning for his position or looking to take him out. Um he also outsmarts the uh the republic, obviously, and the chancellor and and, and all that. So um yeah, establishes himself as a credible threat for sure. Uh and 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 you know, it, it does seem like the Nile and, and Mark Enroe are the primary, you know, kind of threat, uh, I guess along with the Drengar, but it seems like they're kind of almost controlling that to a certain extent like because uh the nile are trying to plant drengar in uh on uh, what's the name of the planet they were on um for this uh for the republic fair Mm. um i can't believe uh it's oh man well it doesn't matter the planet that they're doing the republic fair on um they're trying to plant you know they caught some nile trying to plant drengar there and so they seem to be trying to use the drengar um to uh stir up chaos throughout the republic things like that so yeah they definitely they definitely seem like a major threat um i don't know there's something about it though where it it still feels like it's not um i mean it's not on the level of like an empire right or even like sith i feel like Mm -hmm. uh but you know that's probably okay because uh if 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 every star wars story or every star wars era is just trying to like kind of like repeat that same sort of thing with the same archetypes as far as right. those those things go, that's probably gonna be stale. So um yeah, I think it, it it it's it does seem like this is what the threat is, um and it is becoming more threatening. <laughs> um, but it's still it, it it doesn't feel totally like on the level of, you know uh, the kind of like i guess standard threat in star wars you know what i mean Mm -hmm.
1: but i think that's to its benefit because i feel like it's it's more of like a guerrilla warfare uh type conflict than a like rebels facing down like an empire um that's like all order and control and the Nile are like just the complete opposite of that. They're like disorder and chaos and they're, you know, their strategies are just completely different than like what the, the empire slash first order would do. And I think that's, you know, what, uh, what makes them super interesting.
0: Yeah. It is going to be interesting to see where, um, where things go though in the next kind of like primary book or whatever, uh, because by the end of this book, it kind of feels like the Republic has figured out like the way the Nile is uh, approaching things. And like they even have, um, access to their comm chatter or whatever, to the point where they know like, uh, what they're going to do, um, and kind of turn that back on them and, and double cross them or fool them or whatever. So, cause in this book, you know, uh, the, the, the whole book revolves around like this Republic Fair and uh, and and the idea that, you know, Lena So the Chancellor, wants to have this fair to demonstrate unity, you know, across all these different worlds and throughout the Republic. Um, and, you know, there are some voices, uh, military industrial complex voices specifically, mm-hmm. that are being like, no, 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 we need an army and we need to like have troops and you know it's very similar to the prequels in that regard yeah um we need to have troops we need to have an army we need to be you know this might not be safe especially considering the nile just attacked a, in the last book you know and um yeah and she and, and this is one of those things too where it's like okay well she's she's really similar i feel like in a lot of ways to um mon mothma and uh and the whole you know you have the threat of the military industrial complex trying to like over militarize the galaxy um, we have that going on too, but, uh, you know, of course, like she refuses to give in to that they are attacked. Um, and you know, it was like that element of surprise or whatever, but I feel like the next book, you know, the Republic kind of understands Nile better and, uh, has, has worked out some of these tricks and stuff. So I'm curious to see where it'll head in terms of them being a foil to the Republic or you know how this is all going to shake out as far as those elements are concerned.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Mm, okay. Um I think other other interesting elements of this book. I know you have some bullet points, Ryan. Um mm-hmm. uh, we have uh th- this book focuses I think more right on uh, Elzar Mann and Stellan Geos mm-hmm. um right than than the previous book. Uh previous book was focused on Bell and uh Loden. Um, and then also uh, Avar, Chris. Um, I don't know, a couple other Jedi, I guess, right? But we didn't get as much um, Stellan and uh, and Elzar in that book, if I'm remembering correctly. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I I would say what I'm getting to here. Sorry, yeah, what I'm getting okay. to here is like I find them to be less interesting as characters than the Jedi that were featured in the first high republic book and um and i feel like i had trouble keeping track of who was elzar and who was stellan (laughs) while reading the book because they kind of both just i mean i know that like i think it's elzar is the one who's a little more wild and he's the one who like hooks up with a woman and stuff like that right that's elzar and then stellan is the one who's more like he's the jedi master and he's on the council and stuff right
1: yeah 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 um I don't know. I thought, I thought both these characters um, who I was not interested in going into this book. um, I thought there were some interesting dynamics to their characters uh, in this. Like I thought Stellan, you know, being kind of the face of the Jedi, um, like he's the one that everyone wants to interview and everything. And, you know, him having some like doubts and concerns about that. Um, I think that's like a pretty interesting dynamic, but still not, you know, not, not my favorite character, but, um, Elzar, I thought was, um, really great in this book. Um, and really compelling. Um, with you know his uh i mean he's he's kind of deceitful um he definitely lies um to people around him uh about like you know what he's getting up to and stuff um and he's you know he's definitely pursuing relationships um And such sometimes multiple at a time, uh, that he's in pursuit of, um, and he's just, he's full of, full of doubt, but projecting bravado. And, um, I think he is on my list for, you know, uh, most likely to turn to the dark side um because he he kind of flirts with it in uh in this book and like does it as like part of a plan um <laughs> which feels uh you know f- feels like playing with fire um and i don't know i'm i'm really interested i i think stellan is probably going to like kind of maintain the status quo throughout the uh throughout the story um i think he'll have like a smaller arc but i think um elzar is like one to watch in hmm. you know the uh, as the story continues
0: yeah i agree with that um i think elzar is the is the more interesting of the two i think we spent more time with elzar also and uh that might be part of the thing i think i mean because like as we're we've been talking about it as you were just talking about it there it's like it is pretty clear in my mind who uh elzar is uh and like the journey that he went on and you know like all that kind of thing um And, and I think you're right about Stellan, like the, the concept of like, oh, he's the face of the Jedi, but he's not really sure that he wants to be that. And, you know, um, the other Jedi kind of look at him as being someone with a big, or like as Elzar does, looks at him as somebody who's got like a big ego and, you know, wants to be on camera all the time. Like Mm -hmm. that stuff's all pretty interesting, but I think any time where the book is really following Stellan and it was like, you know, kind of from his perspective, um, I don't really think like the execution of it was, I mean, it wasn't bad or anything, but it wasn't like, I wasn't really drawn in by that, you know, but Mm -hmm. like Elzar, you know, kind of flirting with making certain choices that we wouldn't necessarily think of as being very Jedi like or whatever that, that Mm -hmm. stuff was pretty compelling, pretty interesting. And so, um, yeah, I think like he, he is, he, he, his story and he, him as a character was, or he as a character was more interesting in, in this book than, um, than, than Stellan. But I think maybe it was by the end where I was, uh, you know, a little more aware of of who each of them were, but I think there was, there was mm-hmm. definitely a time there early in the book or maybe even in the middle of the book where I was like, but well, now which was, which is which. Um, but uh, no, and but I, I'm going to slightly push back on the whole, like Elzar being deceitful thing and all that. Cause mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of interpreted it uh, as a scenario where it's like, Um, you know, he, he was the one at the end of the light of the Jedi who had this big, like had this debilitating vision of all this, you know, awful stuff. And I think like the thing with him is he's scared, you know what I mean? And he's, he's scared of like, what's going to happen, um, to everybody. And it's sort of like, if I say it out loud, then, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you're scared of something. It's like, maybe I just keep it to myself and I don't say it out loud. Um, and then you know, maybe it goes away or whatever. And so I think like the, the thing with him is like, it seems like he's afraid to reach out and ask for help. And, um, and also I think he's uh, certainly by the end, he's afraid of like, you know, kind of turning to the dark side or whatever. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, uh, do I ask for help or not? You know? Um, cause I'd have to go back and I guess, look specifically at some of these chapters, but like when he's, Having a romantic escapade, for instance, I feel like the next morning Stellan asks him about it, and it's like, "Should I even ask you what happened?" And he's like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't ask me or something." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but he's never like, uh, I don't I don't think, anyways, like lying to anyone about what he's doing. He's just being. Uh, he he needs to like open up and talk to people about this stuff because he has questions about it, and he like he he feels guilty or he feels like he's not going down the right path, and what he needs to do is, like, open up to the other Jedi and and be honest about it, but instead, he's, like, afraid to ask for help, I feel like, you know? Um, so, yeah, which isn't too far off from being deceitful, but yeah. when you describe a character as deceitful, I just... You know, I think of them as being like kind of scheming and lying and, you know, deceptive and stuff like that. And I feel like he's not those things because I think if anyone asked him Point Blake, he would tell the truth. But um, and he even alludes to some of the things he does, but he's not just open, you know. Um, so, yeah.
1: He he omits a lot of key details, sure. I think. And. I don't know if someone just like asked him straight up about some of the some of the things um, if he would answer correctly or if he would kind of deflect in the way that he did. Like, oh, you, you probably shouldn't ask me about that. Yeah, like where he's not like denying it, but like he's also not going to be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've been getting wasted and sleeping around a lot like it's probably not like very jedi jedi things
0: true but like i appreciated the fact that uh like you know the the woman that he did have the uh the uh engagement with uh the physical engagement with uh, he <laughs> are uh, we
1: not allowed to say sex on this podcast
0: well i don't i don't know uh <laughs> Yeah, the woman that he hooked up with, uh, the mm. one night stand. Yeah. Um, he like went and found her and uh, was like, "Hey, you know, um, I am not able to be betrothed to you or whatever." And she's yeah. like, "You dork, what are you doing? Like, just yeah. you know, it's fine." But like, that's one of those things where it's like, I, I don't know, you know, I, I know you weren't implying this or suggesting it, but like, I just think like a, a, a scheming character, a deceptive or devious. You didn't say devious, but you know what I mean, like yeah. a deceptive or you know, kind of dishonest character would look for a way to, you know, like Han Solo would totally be like trying to run out the back door and never talk to that person again or something, you know? And like, meanwhile, he's like, no, I'm going to own up to this. I'm going to go find this person and, you know, make sure like I have a conversation, just little things like that. Like, I I think, I don't know. Uh, I, ha- I have, uh, I've, I find him pretty respectable, I guess in that regard. Um, and as far as the dark side thing goes, which you brought up, you know, like obviously, and I, I did enjoy that because it's like, he does the whole dark side stick or whatever. Uh-huh. And like the author does not reveal that it's an act until it's already happened. But, you know, as I was reading it, I was like the way this reads, like there's no way this is. Cause it just comes out of nowhere. It's like the chapter starts and it's like, you know, he's doing this dark side stuff. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, actually there's two dark side moments with him. Right. Cause there's the first one where he like, channels all his rage when he's almost about to like die or be defeated or whatever. And, uh, sends that like Island. Is it the Island that he sent? He's, he uses some like incredible power to take out a bunch of Nile, like in the middle of the book during the heat of the battle. Um, but as soon as he does it, it's like way more power than he should be able to wield. And as soon as he does it, he's like, dude, I just, that was the dark side for sure. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And that was compelling. Mm -hmm. And, and then he's kind of scared after that, that he's, you know, gonna you know, turn to the dark side. Um, but then at the end of the book, they do the thing where they, you know, sort of pretend that he's he's turned to the dark side. Um, and yeah, I, I knew right away, like way before it was revealed, like, okay, like this is, they're doing a thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually found that really interesting because before that I was sort of like, is this all just leading up to him turning to the dark side? Because I feel like it would have been too kind of, I don't know. It just, I'm not sure it would have worked. Cause like, Mm -hmm. Oh, in the middle of the book, he does the thing where he rage rages out. And then, you know, later on he's going to turn to the dark side. I just, I'm not sure. So I, I think going forward, like, I don't know if I see him going to the dark side and if he does, if I, if that's going to be that interesting or not, you know, um, I'm not sure. What do you think about that?
1: I think it, I mean, to me, to me, I, I don't think the, you know, him pretending like, you know, kind of like killed off the theory that like he's going to turn. Because to me, that just feels like that's just, you know, even though it was like pretending it was, you know, having a goof, that's uh, still, uh, you know, breeding familiarity. And you know and if especially like if he's able to kind of like come out of that and be like yeah i can just like i can just kind of do it and it's fine you know um i think that's something interesting to explore
0: yeah 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 yeah. uh i think it's very logical you know um i think if this uh (laughs) if this saga if this story was like real, you know or whatever. Um mm-hmm. yeah, like he seems very much poised to do it. Um and it would it would definitely make sense and you know him toying around with it as you say, uh y- it would bring him closer, right? It would make it more likely. Um so I do think it makes sense from a storytelling perspective and I think it's it's very logical. Um and it's you know maybe very likely to happen too. Uh but I'm not sure if I I suppose it's all about how they do it, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it'll feel effective at this point, you know. Um, it, or if it's going to, f- I'm not sure. Uh, I guess we'll see well, it remains to be seen. What's going to happen there, but, um, I almost feel like, you know, I don't know that any Jedi has to turn the di- to the dark side, but I almost feel like it might be more interesting if it, uh, ends up being somebody that we don't kind of expect it from as much, you know? Mm. Uh, so, you know, maybe this is all just uh foreshadowing, like super obvious foreshadowing, but maybe it's all just foreshadowing what, what's going to happen with him, uh, later on, or, uh, I think it might be interesting to see him, you know, kind of come to the edge a few times and overcome that, uh, rather than have it be like, "Hey, we're slowly watching him approach the dark side." And you know, like many of these other Jedi characters that seemed like they were going to turn to the dark side, he does turn to the dark side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because it's something like we haven't really seen, like actually play out very very much. We've you know, we've seen obviously Luke get like kind of close in Return of the Jedi. Um but it's and I mean that's like even hard to say like cuz it's you know, it's been so long. It's like I don't know if I ever was like even in like my first viewing like convinced that he was going to turn. <laughs> um in in that scenario, um you know, we saw it like kind of like like ray, you know, maybe is she gonna um in rise of skywalker, but i think those like moments are pretty short lived and not like entirely convincing. Um but we have seen you know Anakin Skywalker in the prequels and that's like a it's a pretty slow burn. Um mm-hmm. and you know <sighs> I think I think like th- there's a lot of like lessons in um the uh, the you know Anakin's story in the prequels like in a lot of like you know what like who where does the blame fall on that or like what was the what was the instance that like really kind of set this inevitability in motion is it like him being taken from his mom is it his you know head butting, butting heads with the um the jedi council was it you know eventually you know it was like wanting to save padme but then it's like also like then he's just like pretty delusional by that point um you know at the end of revenge of the sith so it's like it's it's interesting to see like those just like little um those little things that just like build those little moments that like bring people closer and closer and closer to the dark side um and you know there's that great line in the revenge of the sith novelization about like how the dark side is patient and you know it will just it will wait forever but like eventually you'll get there um kind of thing mm-hmm. and I kind of like that, Um, you know, that and we, you know, we saw it with Anakin and it was like these tons of just like little things and big things, but also little things. And we've, you know, we've seen that, but that was also in in an inevitability because we knew Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. We knew that's where the prequels were leading. And here we don't know the fate of any of these characters outside of Yoda and uh, the uh, the the woman who's being introduced in the comics uh, tomorrow, actually. Um, But like we don't we don't know the fates of these characters and, you know, what what happens here so i think it's like i think it's like an interesting thread to follow it's something i feel like i'm gonna be hyper aware of when i'm like reading stuff with him uh in in the future but i think you're right like it could go it really could go either way and it could be good either way yeah um like imagine like an anakin skywalker style story where like we get up to Mustafar and he turns it around and he, he like backs away. Like, you know, that's, that's fascinating. Um, and, but also, you know, the, the journey to the dark side, I think is also just like compelling storytelling as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really curious where it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, I mean, for me, same goes with some of these other familiar storytelling beats, like the military industrial complex thing, like, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, we want to start a military, we have to have a military to save the Republic or keep the Republic safe, you know, Um, and it's like, okay, well, that's, that's totally logical and uh that is like the story of war and governments and you know all this stuff it's like it's it should be there it totally makes sense but also Mm -hmm. it's like how is it going to differentiate itself from you know the story of the the empire forming and that kind of thing um i think there's a lot of variables that are different there's a lot of ways in which it can be different so i'm not saying like it's i'm not suggesting like oh it's too similar it's going to be repetitive or whatever but you know to see a an era of star wars that's tackling like many of the same issues, like attachments with the Jedi, you know what I mean? Like, should the Jedi be able to have romantic relationships or shouldn't they, you know, like that's something obviously that's tackled by the prequels, like the concept of the Republic having a military or not, like that's something that's tackled by the prequels, you know, mm-hmm. um, some of these things are, are, are very familiar. And I think what is going to be interesting is to see where they converge and where they diverge in terms of, you know, uh, how the stories turn out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. What else on uh on the rising storm, Ryan? From uh from you or or your uh, your notes?
1: Um. I thought the new character um introduced, uh, Ty, um, was hmm. uh someone I'm split on. Uh, okay. in a lot of ways, I think. Um, I think it's it's possible for a character to be interesting and um, different and exciting. And I'm glad that they're there and also still like not really like that character, um, which is kind of where I landed with Ty. Um, I think introducing um, her the way they did with her, like um, you know, Basically, like, living outside of civilization, just doing, like, odd jobs and, like, protecting people as, like, a mercenary. Like, it's very uh, Witcher vibes. Um, That character, Geralt. Um, And I thought that was, like, interesting and new for Star Wars, especially knowing that she has, you know, some kind of Jedi heritage um going mm-hmm. on and i th- i felt like she was kind of like an unpredictable character for most of the book um mm-hmm. in the way that she'd just like sometimes she'd just abandon people <laughs> and you know take care of herself and then sometimes she'd surprise you and like show up and sometimes you'd be expecting her to show up and she wouldn't because <laughs> she's you know taking care of herself and i think that's like a really interesting Character to uh, kind of kind of bring into things, um, but at the same time, like it wasn't necessarily a character that um, you know. I w- I wouldn't say she's like one of my favorite characters or anything.
0: I think by the end, I was pretty um, pretty on board with her, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was one of those things where like you come back to her every five or six or seven chapters or something. You know, throughout the majority of the the narrative and. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, especially because I didn't read it quite as quickly as you did, you know, sometimes I'd get back to that character and be like, Tai who? What is this again? And then I'd, oh yeah, she's the one who fought the, or killed the monster, and you know, she's the one with the lightsaber. Mm -hmm. and You know, but like sometimes it would just, uh, it would take me a minute to kind of get back to where we were, but by, we, you know, when we got to, once she has the encounter with uh, Elzar, or is it Stellan? See, this is where I get confused. Like, who does she get, Elzar, right? She connects with, right? When they you know, take control of those flying creatures and they put their hands together and they have that like connection between them.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Is it Elzar? Oh, yeah, hopefully. it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> sure. Um, but again, like, Hey, it's the two bearded, like handsome Jedi that are <laughs> yeah. like really, you know, I don't know. But anyway, um, I think it's, I think it's Elzar. Cause I think he had the connection with, I, I want to say like in the, in the narration, it was like when this, but this was different than, you know, when I totally hooked up with that woman the night before or the other night or whatever, like this and is a different kind of connection. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it was. But um, anyway, like once that occurred, uh, then I, 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 found her pretty compelling and um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see like how she'll play into things. And especially like knowing the Drengar are a major threat uh, to the Republic and to the good guys. Um, you have this character who is, that's like, that's her, that's her thing. That's her skill, right? Is like, or one of her, her uh, roles is like, that's something she does. She fights monsters. So mm-hmm. um, that seems like she could become an important, uh, serve an important role in the story. And uh, even, you know, in the Jedi order, if she uh, rejoins it or, you know, she's at least going to work alongside them, I think. But, uh, you know, it seems like um, uh, there's an opportunity for her to become a Jedi again. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I I don't know. Like, I kind of like the idea of her being, like, a Jedi outside of the Order. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, like, if she did join the Jedi, she'd just be kind of like the, the rebel Jedi archetype. And I yeah, don't know. Yeah,
0: but I... I think it might be interesting, though, because um, it's one of those things where it's like, well, could that be a differentiator between the Jedi of that era and the Jedi of the Jedi that we're more familiar with? You know what I mean? Yeah. In the sense that it's like, can you imagine like Yoda and Mace Windu and, you know, the the Jedi Council of the prequels being like, so you were a Jedi. You totally like took off. You've been working as a, you know, lightsaber for hire as she describes Mm -hmm. herself or they describe her, you know. You're totally old like you're not like you don't even have your padawan braid anymore you know what i mean like i just feel like the jedi of the prequels would be like oh no you you didn't follow the rules you know what i mean like you get there's so many forms you have to fill out if you want to like be part of the right. jedi order again or something um so it could be it could be a differentiator or an example of this jedi you know order being much more flexible and uh, that kind of thing you know i don't know
1: yeah and i think um just when you were just talking there, it just got me thinking about one of my favorite things to think about, which is a post prequel or post sequel trilogy. Um, and what's, you know, what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, thinking about, um, you know, Ray creating a new, a new Jedi order. Um, not, new jedi order but a Mm -hmm. new jedi order um Mm -hmm. is like really fascinating to think of like what you know what what parts of the dogma are important to like you know maintain that this is like a unified organization you have to have like a bare minimum of like you know some kind of like uh i don't know credentials (laughs) required or like you know yeah um something but like obviously you don't want to go as far as they went in the prequel era which you know led to the downfall of the jedi order and just like the hubris and arrogance um and everything um so and then like also Luke Skywalker, when he was when he was giving it another go, like he obviously made some mistakes and um, you know, messed some stuff up. Um, And so, yeah, like I think some of like the you know, it it would be interesting if, you know, some of the stuff that's happening in the High Republic now, like informed Ray's plans for the the next uh
0: generation of jedi. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um just in the interest of time I I uh I'll I'll table it or won't uh won't delve in, but as you said like you know, Luke obviously made some mistakes reforming the Jedi order or whatever. Um I mean, yeah, that that seems to be true, but also that's like a something interesting to think about as well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because like really what happened is uh, You know, Ben turned to the dark side and, you know, that whole that whole event occurred. And then like he took on all the blame for that. And surely he deserves some of the blame for that. I mean, like Mm -hmm. he stood over him with his lightsaber ignited, whatever. But like, you know, at the same time, it's like had the whole thing with Ben not happened, um, you know, maybe everything else he was doing was pretty cool with the Jedi order. You know, we really don't know anything about it. You know, we know his interpretation of it. His interpretation of it is I'm a giant failure. And I, you know, I had the hubris to like try to restart the Jedi order, but also at the same time, like by the end of the movie, it's like uh, essentially like, I'm not going to be the last Jedi. And like, yes, I should continue. I mean, he's not literally himself going to do it, but he's like, I was wrong to hide away and, and think like the Jedi should just die out. You know what I mean? So, there's a lot of room between point A and point B or point Z or whatever you want to think of it there in terms of like, Hey, I'm going to go start a new Jedi school. And, you know, well, I will pass on what I know to Ray, like giant golf there, like a lot of opportunity for (laughs) variations on that, you know, spectrum. But it it just is one of those things where we don't really know very much about what Luke did with his new version of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what, about it was successful what about it was unsuccessful and uh you know whether or not i mean you know obviously he should have and could have uh or would have (laughs) i guess anyways hopefully prevented what happened with uh ben solo from happening but you know outside of that what mistakes were made i guess and we don't we don't Mm -hmm. really know so yeah um it would be it would be interesting to find out about And then also I wonder if it's best to not find out because it's just interesting to have some mystery around that as well. You know what I mean? But that's another topic I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Okay. What else uh, on this before we jump into bad batch? Anything else?
1: Um, I have two more things on um, two more bullet points here. Um, One is there, I feel like this book did not have enough rec punk talk. Mm. which i think is something that was definitely missing um compared uh, to light of the jedi
0: i i would uh i would counter that um this uh book just ever so lightly includes uh rec punk and that Mm -hmm. is more than enough for me so Mm -hmm. what's your your final bullet point Ryan?
1: um the conversation around uh you know, th- I a few characters like bring this up or have like internal monologues about it. Um, should the Jedi be killing the Nile?
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: and I think that's something that you know, like the the conversation kind of started in this book, and like they they didn't really come to any conclusion there wasn't like a strong statement made um by characters or by the author um around this but i like this idea of you know we've we've kind of learned more about like the the niles backstory and everything and you know some of the individual members and like you know these are just like generally like people who were just like desolate and, uh, destitute and, uh, you know, just needed something to like survive. And so they kind of like joined up with this group. Um, and they're, I don't know. And I mean, I guess that's like, you know, (laughs) kind of the, the argument that was like made in bad batch about like why people, join the empire. And it's like, well, I got a, got a roof over my head now, uh, kind of thing. And then it's like, well, should we be killing stormtroopers? Uh, yeah. and and like, and now I think like having the, like the Jedi, you know, be like, "Uh, I just took a lot of lives there. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also they were going to take a lot of lives. Like, that sort of um and and like just also this idea that like the the nile from what we've seen so far like they don't relent like we haven't seen like any nile being like you know i'm gonna change my ways like they're so you know fanatical um in this but they're different than like the kind of like faceless stormtroopers that we see in you know the 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 films or like obviously like the droids or whatever like they're just like they're fanatical people but they're like very unique and um but also you know they have the like uniform qualities um so i think it like it kind of complicates things there and it leads to like an interesting moral dilemma.
0: Well, it is an interesting moral dilemma. Although I I feel like um, personally uh, I don't think the book really leaves a lot of a lot uh, to question in terms of whether or not the Jedi should be killing the Nile. I think it leaves Mm -hmm. more to question in terms of like how the Jedi feel about that and uh, that sort of thing. But like, I feel like there were, multiple multiple scenarios where a jedi would try to show um you know uh mercy to the nile and and i think without fail unless i'm forgetting something every single time the nile would throw it back in their face and like either murder somebody or try to murder Mm -hmm. somebody or try to murder that jedi or and so um the the reason i bring that up is just because i think like if 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 this author and this book really wanted to kind of like tackle that issue um i think it could have you know, found some gray area or something like that. So it, 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 to me, it's more about like when you put the Jedi in a position where they have to take lives, like the way they do, what does that do to the Jedi? Um, which maybe is, you know, the same thing, you know, really just a different way of of saying what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I always feel like the book, like, this is one of those, like to me anyways, this book specifically, it's like the Nile are really bad. Every single one of them, when given the opportunity, like when shown any mercy, they just are pure hate and rage. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They never, ever, ever, like you never see a Nile character. A- anytime they do anything like remotely, you know, that we would sympathize with, it's like out of self-interest and it's just mm-hmm. scheming and looking for a way to murder somebody else or whatever. And uh, yeah, I don't think that there's a lot of um, complexity now, there could be with Nile characters or, you know, they could certainly introduce that or, or, you know, tackle that in some way, you know, in another book. But um, I think the the question this book is interested in is, uh, you know, how does it impact the Jedi when, they're, when they are faced with, you know, there's only really one choice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then how does it impact them? So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, again, like kind of a way that this – the High Republic differentiates itself from the, uh, the prequels is we have, you know, Jedi who are taught to like value life over everything um, and, you know, see the connections between all living things and, you know, and then to be constantly taking lives. And it's because they, you know, have to um Mm -hmm. because if they don't then you know other like if they don't take the not innocent lives then innocent lives will be lost Mm -hmm. um so it's like making that judgment call constantly but i think you're right like the how is this going to like wear on the psyches of the jedi um over over time um, because, you know, in the, in the, the prequels, like, I mean, you know, George did, uh, a pretty smart thing of like, there's, you know, there's massive body counts in the prequels, but they're, they're droids. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would say in the, uh, you know, original trilogy, um, there's, you don't really see too many stormtroopers like like straight up murdered right like yeah, yeah you like might, you see like, them like they get shot with a colored beam and fall down yeah. but it's not like this where like Jedi are like slicing off limbs yeah. and cutting people in half and like decapitating people right Um because they're using laser swords on people yep. and so I think it is like it it is a different feel to it. And I think it's going to be, I I like that they've introduced the idea of like this being something the Jedi are thinking about because like, it would be a little, you know, with the way the action and stuff is described, like it would be a little creepy if like the Jedi weren't thinking about this.
0: Oh yeah, I totally agree. I think um, you know, I think that both of these books, uh, maybe the strongest through line from Light of the Jedi into Rising Storm or through Rising Storm as well is uh the 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 kind of theme or or yeah, the theme, I guess, of of uh you know, selflessness and um, and empathy and uh, and kindness from the Jedi is just like nonstop in these books. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. so it, 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 the, the Jedi are always presented as, you know, having deep empathy for all living things. And, um, you know, it struck me because I've read a lot of Star Wars books and watched a lot of Star Wars stuff. And of course the Jedi are always like, they're good characters, they're kind, whatever. But like this book is, or these books are really, really focused on, on, uh, on those, those aspects of like the Jedi philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not just something they talk about. It's something that you see, Uh, in their actions and in their thoughts and their decision-making process. Like you can tell that it's intrinsic to the way they operate um, rather than like something they talk about while sitting around in a circle, but then the actual choices they make don't always line up with it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They are like living out those values. Mm -hmm. So it's important that they also, you know, reflect on the, the lives that they take. Um, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, something that's happening consistently because that would be, that would also be weird, um, just in like a storytelling perspective. But I like that the idea of them like being reflective on that has been introduced and I think it's going to continue through, through the series and that's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, again, another, very similar element to the prequels, but if they continue to have to act as like a sort of military force, like well, what kind of toll will that take on them as a, uh, an institution and, uh, how will that compromise their, their values and, or compromise their effectiveness or their, uh, I don't know, like the Jedi order overall. So, uh, I think yeah. certainly that's going to be explored. We'll, uh, we'll see how it, um, how it shakes out and, and how, uh, it mirrors and how it, uh, you know, diverts from the way those issues play out in uh, other Star Wars storytelling. So, totally. Uh, all right. Well, I've seen a lot of people say that this is uh, their favorite High Republic book. I mean, there's there's only two adult novels so far, so yeah. kind of if if you look at it that way, you're kind of comparing it um, just to Light of the Jedi. Um, I still prefer, I think, Light of the Jedi a little bit to this one, but uh, mm. I think it's certainly a worthy follow up, and they're both uh, both among the best uh, or kind of most impactful and and kind of favorite star Wars novels I've read. So uh, yeah, I enjoy both a lot. What did you think about that? Ryan, did you have a, did you have one that you prefer over the other or, uh, are they, uh, are they just a very congruent, uh, (laughs) you know, kind of, um, uh, a pair, a beautiful pair. Yeah. They're,
1: they're chapters of a larger story. And I think it's like kind of hard to, compare them like i know the experience for me was completely different with Mm -hmm. um light of the jedi because i felt like with light of the jedi for like the first half of the book i was like just trying to like just figure out what was going on and like balancing all these names and all these things that are different um and everything going on um and but like with this one like we had that foundation so it was just like a just You know, it 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 was just easier um, to read, um, I think. So, but they're I I do feel like they're so tonally similar, which is pretty impressive, being from two different authors. Mm The that they just feel like chapters of a larger story, which I think is um, you know that's I would say that's high praise.
0: Yeah now i don't know if you saw but uh christina Ariel is hosting i think a panel with um high republic authors later this week and uh i have a feeling we're going to be hearing more about uh what's next for the high republic Mm -hmm. very soon so
1: yeah it's their comic con uh, panel
0: yeah. yeah 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 so uh we'll look forward to that and uh finding out a little more about where the high republic is headed show's going a little long here ryan but we still need to talk about um bad batch episode 12 rescue on ryloth um which is absolutely very much a continuation of last <laughs> week's episode yeah speaking um, of
1: chapters of a story
0: yeah yeah, yeah. this one yeah. is totally a continuation of last week's episodes of yeah. course uh uh, the Sindulas are captured by Rampart and the Imperial forces on Ryloth. Hera is uh, not captured by them, but uh, needs to figure out how to free them. And the dilemma there is uh, when she asks um, the uh, the Bad Batch for help, Hunter, um, you know, kind of reasonably says, like, look, we really can't help everyone. I don't know if we can really help her or help the Sindulas. There's just a few of us and there's a whole empire there um you know i'm 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 quickly summarizing but uh obviously like hera and omega are like what the heck like of course what needs to happen is what we need to do um and they're able to convince hunter to uh to go along with it because they come up with a well-developed plan hera knows ryloth um and so that's sort of how omega I don't know. Convinces him is by, well, she, she guilts him and says, look, I thought yeah. we're soldiers. This is what soldiers do. Like we need to help. But also she, uh, intelligently cleverly says like, Hey, Hera, like, you know, your planet, you know it better than anybody. Let's come up with a super strategic plan. And then, uh, my super strategic clone brother, Hunter will like mm-hmm. have to go along with it. Um, so that's what they do. Um, and then the rest of the episode is sort of about implementing that plan, breaking the Sindulas out um, and, uh, and freeing them, which of course they ultimately do. Uh, sorry, I'm just rushing or kind of running through it quickly, yeah. but we'll, once we get through it, we can talk about whatever elements we we want to talk about. Um, I think one of the most interesting elements of this episode for sure is a uh, Hauser, the, uh, the clone trooper who is taking orders from Rampart, but you know, basically right away we know um, is uh, not really cool with what Rampart wants to do and how Rampart wants to run things. And uh, of course, by the end he chooses to uh, help the Syndulas and uh, push back against Crosshair. Um, tries to start a little clone trooper rebellion. It kind of works, but <laughs> basically <laughs> it's like four troopers. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, he's arrested for his trouble and, uh, and that's sort of how things end. Um, so, um, what, what what are the important elements of this episode that we that we want to discuss that are not too uh, sort of uh, repetitive of what we already talked about with the uh, with episode eleven, which um, you know definitely covers some similar ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt like this was a pretty uh, standard uh, Star Wars infiltration and rescue episode. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen this in the animation a ton. We've seen it in the movies. We've seen it in Mandalorian. Um, Like, this is how you you infiltrate something and rescue people. Um, And so, yeah, it felt kind of like standard in that sense. I think um, some of the highlights for me um, were, was this the first time we'd seen Omega refer to The Bad Batch as her brothers?
0: Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. She definitely, I think has returned or referred to them as family before. Right. Or I don't know. That's a good question. Actually. I'm not sure.
1: I don't know. Just like her saying like my brothers, like that's, I don't know that something just resonates in that. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, um, hunter is ultimately kind of a pushover but they i mean they did come up with like a solid you know way to convince him um it wasn't just like
0: begging eyes or something um well well he's a pushover but it's funny because and we've talked about this like every episode basically but like you know what's the joseph campbell quote I don't know. I won't even try to do it. It's something about your heart already. I don't know. Maybe it's Steve job, whatever. Like basically he knows that he, or like deep inside, he wants to join the rebellion. He wants mm-hmm. to contribute to the rebellion against the empire. Um, but like he's too, you know, he's being too stoic and logical and he's just like, Nope, it's not, you know, it's not the smartest plan, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the whole thing with, with them being like, well, he wants to do the right thing, but we have to convince him it's the smart thing and then he'll do it, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just like, man, this is the end of every episode. Somebody telling him like, hey, you belong in the rebellion and him being like, oh, well, you know, it's not smart. I can't do it. <laughs> it's like, this This episode ends the same way, you know what I mean? Which is fine, but the Syndullers are like, look, you need to you need to join the rebellion. And I think Hunter says like, well, I've got other responsibilities and, and the Syndullers tell him something along the lines of, well, those the, the the same things we want you to fight for are going to impact your, you know, the things that you care about too. It's all connected, right? Yeah. Um, little phantom menace symbiote action going on there uh-huh. in their response uh-huh. to. Him, so.
1: Yeah, isn't it like Hera's mom who's like if a if a war is coming, it's their fight as much as ours? Like just talking about like how it's going to um, you know, Yes, I'm glad
0: well, so yes, I'm glad that you remembered what she actually says because that, that is uh that is well said on her part. And uh, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, it's going to affect everybody, right? It's not, you know, helping us is helping them. It's helping everybody. Yeah. 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 Okay, sorry, you were on a roll there and I uh, interjected, but...
1: No, that uh, was about, about all I had on this one. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's a fun episode. Uh, it's fun to see Hera, like, struggling to... F- to pilot that spacecraft because obviously we know what a killer pilot she becomes um i always like Cham and as a character um you know i think uh the rampart stuff is is uh is is pretty compelling too i mean he's a little bit of a cartoonish villain but um but uh you know to kind of see him you know his perspective versus hauser's perspective versus crosshair's perspective uh it's all pretty interesting and uh definitely the ending of this episode, I felt like we're, we're kind of moving towards the the finale here. You know, I know mm-hmm. there's, I think there's four episodes left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four episodes left, but it definitely feels like we're, you know, moving towards some conclusions and, uh, and heading towards those, you know, probably big last few episodes um, with crosshair asking for permission to hunt down the bad batch and, and being given that permission. So, uh, we're definitely going places as far as the storytelling mm. is concerned. Uh is is Ornfreeta alive or dead? Um I, I couldn't I wasn't sure what oh, I was supposed to do. Because they about got that.
1: like they got shot and then like they they keep referring it to it as like attempted murder.
0: Yeah, and Rampart tells like the people of Ryloth, like, oh well, you know, he's resting and he'll be okay. Um, but then it's like, well, why don't we see him then? You know what I mean? So I was just, I wasn't sure if he was, yeah, if like Orn Frita's dead, but Rampart's like, well, I can't tell everybody that. So I'll just pretend he's alive or I wasn't sure. Um, I guess we'll find out or we won't. I don't know. Maybe there's a really obvious answer to this question, which is like Orn Frita's like in the prequels or something. Oh no, this is after the prequels. Yeah. So. <laughs> and he's not, he's not in the, in the original trilogy, but you know, um, Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Just, I just thought I'd try to answer that question. Maybe for he's the, uh,
1: in the shot of Hosnian Prime getting blown up. <laughs> in Force Awakens.
0: Could be. Oh. Yeah. Could be. Could be. It was the Republic. Um, all right. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else on uh, on on rescue on Ryloth, we can uh, zoom right past it. I mean, that was you know mostly everything I had too. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy the episode. I thought it was really good. It's just that I think. Um, a lot of the components of it are just a continuation of episode 11. So yeah. Um, I don't necessarily have too much. I feel compelled to get off my chest about rescue on Ryloth. Um, all right. Well, Ryan, I'm going to spring this on you because I forgot to put in our show notes, but mm. um, Dave, our friend Dave uh, Hackerson in Japan, uh, sent us a typically thoughtful comment, and it is uh, in regards to... Um, Star Wars, Ronin, Star Wars, colon, Ronin, colon, a vision novel. <laughs> um, so I wondered if you would read Dave's message and we can uh, comment on, uh, on it. But uh, there's sounds good. Yeah, there's a lot of right that here. Think, <laughs> pretty sure you can tackle it better than me. So go we'll for see.
1: it. All right. So as you guys can probably guess, I'm pretty excited about the Star Wars, Ronin, vision novel. <laughs> I'm not going to say all that. We would just call it the the Visions novel, um, uh. aka Ron- Ronin. That's how people talk. We don't throw all those uh. colons in there unless so we're being real pedantic. Uh okay. <laughs> but I agree with Ryan. That's me. That it does seem to draw on some of the themes from Lone Wolf and Cub in reading the synopsis images from the fictitious depiction of the Warring States period in classic uh Gida Gak- Geki also come to mind. Popular Japanese literature beginning with Kabuki plays in the Edo period has loved to craft tales of intrigue and betrayal among the warlords. That said, these betrayals are often depicted in a negative light for the Neo-Confucian ethic espoused by the Tokugawa Bakufu a shogunate, stressed loyalty to one's overlord. The adoption of this ethic is understandable as the Tokugawa clan sought to ensure there was peace throughout the land. The fascinating twist to the Ronin novel story is how the Jedi are depicted as warriors rather than as guardians of the peace. And it is the Sith who rebel in a quest to achieve peace. I wonder if the novel will feature any warrior monks akin to the Uh, Ikoshu, a major Buddhist sect during the period that was well-known for its armies of fighting priests. The head temple was Honganji in present-day Osaka, and they set off a religious war in Japan. Indeed, a major part of Oda Nobunaga's quest to bring Japan under his rule was to bring the Ikoshu to heel, and he was ruthless in the way one would expect Palpatine or Darth Bane to be. All in all, I'm really glad to see things come full circle, to quote the way Ryan, that's me, said it, with Star Wars re-inhabiting the genre from
0: which it has drawn so much. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot in Dave's message that is uh, new to me, that I (laughs) don't know anything about. Um, so I found it super interesting. I mean, the thing that really, uh, stands out to me is, is, uh, you know, the, the point that he makes about how the Jedi are depicted as, depicted as warriors and the Sith are, um, you know, rebelling in a quest to achieve peace. Uh, I cannot wait to see how that plays out. I think that's super, super interesting. Um, the, uh, historical, you know, kind of connections that Dave is able to make are, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously like, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, a little more about that than I do, but, uh, uh, just super interesting to me. So I think for sure we need to have Dave on, um, when visions comes out, um, and, uh, uh, when the novel comes out, because I would just love to hear him talk more about this stuff. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't think I have very much I can add to it except for to say, like, I think it's super compelling and, uh, I'd love yeah. to hear more from him on this, especially when the book comes out. And the show.
1: Yeah, totally. Like once, um, I think these are all really good, um, inferences he's Mm -hmm. made from this and like the connections he's already made, um, are fantastic. And I think there'll be a lot more to talk about around this. Once we actually see how, how these stories play out, um, both like literally and thematically, um, on screen and in the book so it's gonna be really really fun to talk about all this stuff once it drops
0: yeah for sure yeah and i mean we talked about it last week but like um the fact that the author of this story can explore some of these ideas like specifically you know the jedi being the warriors the sith rebelling in a quest to achieve peace like and not have to worry about uh you know canon or like having that fit in with like this really happened or whatever, you know, the, the mm-hmm. fact that the, the author and the storyteller is you know, making these star Wars visions projects have the, uh, the freedom to explore them in the way that they, they want. And, and in a way that maybe makes m- most sense um, with the different elements that they're bringing in, you know what I mean? Cause like, you know, Dave ends with that comment about how you said, Hey, it's re-inhabiting the genre from which it is drawn so much. Um, and I know we already talked about it last week, but it's great that they're able to do that with, the full freedom to kind of make the most of those of combining those things Mm -hmm. instead of being like, Hey, we want you to kind of, you know, tell star Wars uh, stories through this Japanese kind of lens, but you have to make sure you stick to all the rules of like (laughs) the Americanized star Wars. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that would be far less interesting, I think. So I'm just excited, um, that they have the freedom. These storytellers have the freedom to kind of like really dig into this. And, and, uh, Yeah. Explore the, the, the ways in which combining these elements can lead to some new kinds of, uh, concepts and, and stories and things like that in Star Wars. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for sure, Dave. Um, again, super fascinating and, uh, hopefully you will be available to come back on the show to talk about this stuff. Um, when visions is here, uh, in a few months. Um, And if he
1: chooses not to come on to the show after we've stated it publicly, we will go back and retroactively scrub this section.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say we'd like shame him and uh, and and guilt him into coming on or something like that.
1: Well, I mean, we'll try that first. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if all else fails. (laughs) But yeah.
0: Chances are that it's just me, you and Dave that are going to hear this episode anyway. So I think it'll be okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show for now. I have to pack Ryan. I'm, uh-huh. I'm flying to Batu next week. So, yeah. um, one week from today, I will be on Batu. I'm uh, pretty stoked, pretty excited. So, um, yeah, our next episode will, uh, will be when I get back, um, from Batu. we'll have some mm-hmm. high Republic news to talk about. We'll have, um, uh, another episode of the bad batch to discuss, uh, maybe two, more. maybe two, we'll two, yeah. two more. I think we'll have two more episodes of the bad. Batch yeah. to discuss. Um, and, uh, and also my trip to bed too. So there's going to be a lot going on, um, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. next episode or two. So we'll look forward to that until then you could find, um, everything we do at, um, blockheadrunnerpodcast.com. And, uh, you, uh, of course can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade run. Follow Ryan on Twitter at, by V A Y A M A L A Y. And the one part I forgot was if you want to email us uh, a message, mm. you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. So, um, until next time, uh, bright suns. Is that what I say? Bright suns? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, bright suns. And uh, thanks for listening.
1: We are all the Republic.